Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are starting our Christmas series, and our Christmas series is called This Christmas, This Christmas, right? And some of you are already singing it, right? This Christmas, hang all the mistletoe. Um, and and you're, you're with me, you got it. Um, the other week, um, I had my mic on, and I thought the sound guy was gonna mute it, and he didn't mute it, and it wasn't playing through the sound system, but the band could hear every song, and I was harmonizing with them, man. I was, I was belting it out. Um, but in this series, we're gonna be talking about several, several different topics, and today as we kick this off, we're starting with a topic that is really, really applicable, especially based on this past week and the weeks to come. Um, Because this past week, many of you gathered with family members, you gathered with friends, and Uncle Eddie said something stupid, right? Um, Your your great, great aunt lost her filter and just decided to say whatever she wanted to say because we think when we hit a certain age, we get to say what we want. Now listen. Just because you're old doesn't mean you get to lose your filter. It's not biblical. I'm just saying. Um, Be the old person all the young people want to be around and not for what comes out of your mouth, right? Um, And so um, you're going to be around people. You're going to be around friends. You're going to be around family. You're going to be around strangers. Um, And some of you, you're already sweating because all the introverts are like, I hate this month, right? because it's all these parties and all these get-togethers, and here's what I can promise you is gonna happen for a lot of us. Somebody's gonna say something that hurts your feelings. Somebody's gonna do something that they shouldn't do, they're gonna say something they shouldn't say, and if you're not careful, you're going to get your feelings hurt, and, and there's this beginning moment that if we're not careful, that moment of hurt feelings turns into something way bigger, right? And hurt feelings turns into resentment. We resent that person for what they said. We resent that person for what they did or for what they didn't do. And all of a sudden, resentment turns into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness turns into bitterness, and bitterness turns into us being offended. And today, I wanna talk to you about this Christmas, I will not be offended. This Christmas, I will not get offended. And hear me today, it is a choice you and I have to make. It is a place you're not gonna get there by feeling your way there. It is a place you're gonna get there by choosing your way to not being offended and not getting offended. And if we're gonna do this, we have to understand first the effect that offense has on us. And it's our first point today. And I just want us to know, offense keeps you focused on what has happened instead of where you are going. Offense keeps you focused on what has happened instead of where you are going. John Bevere said this, an offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. And many of us, we are feeling certain things and we're thinking certain things and we are deceiving ourselves because we have become offended somewhere along the line. Here's the problem with offense. When we get offended, we get caught up with everything that happened to us. 
right? We get, hap- we get caught up with the wrong that was said about us, the gossip that was said about us, what they should have done. They should have known better. They should have done better, but they didn't. And we get so caught up, so focused, so eaten up with the wrong and the hurt and the betrayal that we get offended. And it's hard for us to move on. And what happens is the future of our life and the vision that we have for our life is blurred. Why is it blurred? Why do we not know where we're going? Because offense keeps us stuck in what has happened, what a coach said, what a coach did, what a teacher said, what a teacher did, what a student said, what a family member, what a friend said, whatever it is, it keeps you absolutely focused on what happened instead of what God is doing in you, where God is taking you and what he wants to do in your life. There's a story um, I came across not too long ago and it says this, true story, a woman who felt like there was something in her eye, actually had 23 daily disposable contact lenses stuck deep underneath her eyelid, the ophthalmologist reported. The ophthalmologist of California Eye Associates in Newport Beach, California, of course it happened in California, right? was shocked to discover the clump of contacts and got to deliver them last month in a case she documented on her Instagram page. She said, I was just amazed. I was like, this is, this is kind of crazy. I've never seen this before. All the contacts were hidden underneath the upper lid in a pancake stack, so to speak. Like your eyes are bothering you right now, right? The patient who was in her 70s and has asked to remain anonymous, I'm sure she don't want nobody knowing who she is, has been wearing contact lenses for 30 years, the doctor said. She came to see the ophthalmologist on September 12th after complaining about the sensation of a foreign body in her right eye and also noticing mucus in that eye. She had been to the practice before, but it was the first time the doctor met her after acquiring the office last year, and the woman had been skipping her regular visits for fear of catching COVID. The ophthalmologist used a wire instrument to keep the woman's eyelids open and far apart, which allowed her hands to be free to do a more extensive examination. I mean, you would have to kill me. Um, Be like, no, no. As she looked deeper under the eyelid, she saw the first couple of contacts stuck together. She used a cotton swab, ugh, I'm about to throw up, to pull them out, but it was just the tip of the blob. It was literally like a deck of cards, the doctor recalled. It was just kind of unraveled and formed a little chain link on her eyelid, and as I'm doing it, I'm telling her, I think I've removed more than 10, and they just kept on coming and coming. I would have pretended I was a magician, and like I'm pulling like a little, the little scarf out of a hat, right? I'd be like, woo, right? Like just, um, can you imagine this being your reality, and, and like, Her eyes and her vision had to be bothered for so long because there was 23 contacts stuck in her eyes. Can I tell you, this is exactly what offense does, right? You think it's not that big of a deal. There's this irritation, there's something bothering you, and yet it always turns into something bigger and costs you more. And it costs you being present where you are and owning where God wants to take you. And all of a sudden, your vision becomes blurred of where God wants to take you, what he wants to do in your life, because you become a victim of what has happened. And hear me, offense turns you into a victim instead of a conqueror. 
Offense always turns you, you become, you have a victim mentality of everything that has happened, every wrong that has been done. Right now, you can tell me what happened, when it happened, who did it, and all that it made you feel. And what begins to occur is we become a victim. And I like what my friend Jeff Wagner says. He goes, victims are never satisfied. I tell you, you're never gonna come to a place when you're offended and you feel like a victim that sorry is enough. Because it's not. And it makes you, offense turns you into a victim and the Bible has not said that you are a victim, but the Bible has said you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, who's your king, who's your savior, right? Who's leading your life. But what happens is we start playing the victim card. And in Genesis chapter 50, there's a story about a guy, you know this guy, Joseph, who I don't know how bad your story is, I don't know how bad you've been hurt, but I can promise you, Joseph could one-up you today if he was here. Joseph's brothers, his siblings, sold him as a slave to their enemy, right? And then they went back and told their dad that he died, and they killed a goat and poured blood all over the, you know, the coat of many colors, and like, sorry, dad, your favorite son died, right? And like, that, that's how it went, and, and he sold, and all these hardships happened, and if you don't, haven't heard the story of Joseph, go back, starts in about Genesis chapter 42, and just keeps going, it's a fantastic story. But at the very end, after Joseph has overcome obstacle after obstacle, setback after setback, he never became a victim. He, if anybody could have played the victim card, it could have been him. But in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he looks at his brothers, after Joseph is now the vice president, for the most part, of the greatest country in the world at that time, Egypt, and his brothers are standing before him and he says to them, what you intended to harm me, God used for good, the saving of many lives, right? Though it was unfair, though it wasn't right, though it wasn't, Joseph wasn't excusing what they did, Joseph understood, as long as I don't stay a victim, God's gonna keep using it, right? There's still gonna be movement in my life, but when you don't get past the offense, movement stops. The flow of God stops moving and working in your life. I love and hate water hoses. Um, I I like when they work well, um, but... When you go to wash your car or you're going and you're setting up your sprinkler in your yard, this always happens to me. It never fails. It gets kinked underneath the tire and you're like, where's, where's the power, right? Like, come on, come on, where's the pressure? You go to roll it out to your yard and the farther you go, the more likely there's gonna be a kink, right? Kinks up and you're like, there's no power going to your sprinkler. You're like, dad, come on, what's going on? And you have to find the kink and you have to unkink it because the water's not flowing. Can I tell you, this is what offense does to your life, right? This is what offense does. And it keeps your life from functioning the way the creator designed you to function. And instead of there being love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and gentleness, and goodness, and self-control, and meekness pouring out of your life, there's a stoppage. Because here's the truth. When offense is present, there's a whole lot of other things that are present. One of those other things is unforgiveness. 
And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, that if you can't forgive others their sins, your heavenly father won't forgive you of your sins. And I know that's not a real popular passage in the Bible because it doesn't make you feel good, but it does good. And some of you, there's a stoppage in your relationship with the Lord because there is unforgiveness in your relationships. And you don't know why you don't feel powerful. You don't know why you don't feel like a conqueror. You don't know why you constantly feel pitiful because there is unforgiveness and there is offense. And man, if you're playing the victim, you are feeling pitiful instead of powerful because there is a stoppage of the flow the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. And if you're going to get past it, you got to get over the offense, you got to get past the offense, you got to let go of what has happened and step into what God has for you. So this morning, I wanna give you three ways not to get offended, three ways to get over offense, three ways to not get offended or to get over offense. The first one is this, you have to understand it's hard to offend a dead man. It's hard to offend a dead person, right? Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the real life I now have within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I was a kid growing up in the 80s, um, trick-or-treating was a blast because people did messed up things. Um, and I remember one of our neighbors, uh, the dad, got a coffin, an actual life-size coffin, put it in his living room, and in order to get candy, you had to walk into a stranger's living room. Listen to how safe this sounds. Because our parents just sent us. They didn't know where we were. They just like, go get some candy. Okay, you had to walk into this stranger's living room, and this grown man is laying in a coffin like he is a dead man. There's makeup on, and there is candy surrounding him as he's laying there. And it's good candy. It's worth the risk. It ain't good in plenties. It's good stuff, right? And he would lay there, and every once in a while, he would start gasping for air and grab the kid's hand, right? And be like, <gasps> like that. I was one of those kids. I'm telling you, there was pee all over my costume. I'm telling I ran out of that. I didn't even get the piece of candy. I've never been the same since. And can I tell you, it has scarred me. Because now when I go to a funeral home and there is a viewing of the body, I'm not kidding. I will walk into that room. I'm like, they're like, don't you want to get closer? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like some people, I see him like touching them and kissing them. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I don't care if it's Casey. I'm gonna be like, babe, I love you. You're in a better place. Because what's gonna happen, one of you jokers is gonna play a trick on me and be like, oh yeah, he's dead. He is gone. We're just doing the viewing at our home to save money. And I'm gonna show up at your home and you're gonna grab my hand and I'm never gonna recover, right? Now, you know this isn't a possibility. I know this isn't a possibility. Why? Because dead people don't react. I've been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Right? I've died to myself, but I'm alive in Christ. I tell you, when you die to yourself, you don't react to hurt. You don't get, dead people don't get offended. It's true. Dead people don't hold on to unforgiveness. 
because they're dead to themselves. Dead people aren't bitter people. Some of us, the simple truth is if you're gonna get over a fence, you gotta get better at dying daily. And I say it all the time, man. The, the bigger the church gets, I was talking to, to somebody out there. I'm like, the bigger personality you get, you're gonna offend somebody. And somebody's gonna be offended by you and somebody's gonna offend you. And I have learned, man, to just try to get better at dying daily. Because the better I get at dying daily, the less offended I go through life being. And the less I have to work through it all. And so I wanna encourage you today, man, get over being offended and learn to die daily because the more I die daily, the better I love Jesus. And the better I love Jesus, the more I love people. There's a direct correlation to it. The second way to not be offended or get over offense is this, make room for faults and realize you're imperfect. Make room for faults and realize you're imperfect. I don't care what your mama told you growing up, you are not Perfect. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 says this Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love this part. It says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let me go back to my favorite verse in this passage. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. This word allowance described, uh, excuse me, defined by the Webster's Children's Dictionary, right? Sometimes we need to just dumb it down for some of us. Um, so the Webster's Dictionary for Kids defines allowance as an allowing for things that may partially excuse an offense or, and I love this, or mistake or for things that may happen. You're making allowance. Some of you, some of you, you know you're getting ready to walk in with your sibling. You're getting ready to walk into a room with your ex-spouse. You better make room for allowance. You better make allowance for others' faults. Because somebody's gonna bump you, and if your feelings are full to the rim, it's going everywhere. Right, and it's gonna be a mess, and it's gonna take you a while to recover, but there's a better way for us to live, and it's to make allowance for other people's faults. Some of you, you know you're dealing with crazy, then why are you feeling your emotions up to here? Like, like you need to not put anything in the cup. Like, you're like, they're crazy. Keep shaking me, because you ain't getting no reaction, right? Like, you know. And you and I are called to make allowance for each other's faults. And here's the deal. When we take a closer look, and, we, we, and when we remember how much we have been forgiven for, when we take time to just Remember, all of our shortcomings and all that we've been forgiven for, it's a lot easier to forgive others and not get offended in the first place. We have this uh, snow, the snowman that holds M&Ms at Christmas time. And the mark of when Christmas has started at our house is when the snowman comes out. And I'm just gonna be honest, I think Christmas M&Ms taste better. I don't know why. They are the best M&Ms ever all year long. And so we go 
this week, Casey and I to a store and we go buy Christmas M&Ms. And I'm, Casey was tired that day. I'm like, hey, we'll check out. I'll get all the bags. She's like, okay, you got all the bags? I'm like, I got all the bags. Good. Um, so we get three big bags of Christmas M&Ms. And I am, I'm excited because um, this inner fat guy is getting ready to go to town. I'm getting ready to chow down. I'm ready. Let's go Christmas time. Gluttony is happening. We'll talk about that in January. So um, we get home, we're unpacking the groceries. And I said, hey, we got the snowman out. Where's the M&Ms? And she's like, um, I, I, I didn't see any M&Ms. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't see any M&Ms? And she's like, well, maybe you left them in the truck. So I go look at my truck. There's no M&Ms. I'm like, hey, Casey, there's no M&Ms. And she's like, well, you said you were getting the bags. Fight, shots fired. I'm like, yeah, the ones that were heavy, you can't carry three bags of M&Ms? Like, come on. Like, I already paid for the groceries anyways. All you had to do is carry some. Like, come on. Right? And so, so, here's what's going on. Right? And so... We can't find, we called the store, no M&M. Some greedy kid took my m M&M. and I know it was a greedy kid. Um, I'm never going back to the store. Anyways, and so there's an empty snowman and an empty heart because I don't have any like Christmas M&Ms. And we begin to yell at each other and we begin to call each other names. No, we didn't. I didn't tell Casey that she only had one job and that was to pick up M&Ms, right? I, di- I didn't, I didn't. And she didn't tell me be a man and learn to get all the bags and not just the ones you're capable of carrying, right? Why? Because it was three bags of M&Ms, right? It wasn't worth getting in a fight over. It wasn't worth hurting feelings over three bags of Christmas M&Ms. And hear me, some of you, you are fighting over things that are the equivalent of three bags of M&Ms. You are getting upset. You are ruining relationships. It's weird and it's awkward when you walk in to the room with the same person. And hear me, you've gotten, some of us, we don't even remember why it's weird and awkward anymore. And we are getting awkward and we're making things weird and we're offended over the equivalent of three bags of it. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. And when you and I take a close look at all that we've been forgiven for, and when we take a close look of all that God has done, can I tell you, we start learning to make allowance for other people's shortcomings. We learn to make allowance for other people not being perfect. And all the disagreements and all the words and all the differences start paling in comparison because you start making allowances for people to forget some M&Ms every once in a while. And can I tell you, life is way better lived when you're not getting worked up over everything, but you are making allowance for everything instead. If you're not gonna get offended over everything, you better make allowance for everything. The last way, you don't get offended. The last way you avoid offense this Christmas is this, is that you go on with yourself. Go on with yourself. Go on with yourself. We had a uh, children's pastor growing up in my second church that I was a staff member at. Her name was BJ May. Um, she was an older lady and she was mean. She taught with one of those marionette dolls um, and just scared the kids to death. I mean, she scared them to Jesus, right? Like if you don't come to Jesus, you'll look like me. Um, and so she was just not nice. She wasn't nice to the people of the church, the staff. Um, but for some reason, BJ May loved me. I don't know why. She loved me, and we had two really crappy cars. 
when we were married, anytime I needed to go to Sam's, I would need a bigger car. And she had a Ford Astro minivan. How many of you remember those bad boys? Oh yeah, riding in style, right? And I'd say, hey, BJ May, can I borrow your Astro minivan? And she would throw the keys at me and she'd go, well, go on with yourself. And I was like, the first time I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, get going and get back, go on with yourself. And I was like, okay, go on with myself, right? And she meant hurry, cause I need my car back. Like there's things you got to go do and there's things I need to do. So go on with yourself. And for some of us, the simple truth for us today is we got to get over it. What's happened? What's occurred? It was years ago. And today is not a message saying that what they did was okay that what they said was okay, but you are going to be held captured by offense, by unforgiveness, and today is your go on with yourself day, right? Today is your go on with yourself into forgiveness. Today is the day that your spiritual life isn't kinked up, but the power of God is moving and flowing through your life, and all of a sudden there is grace, and there is mercy, and there is forgiveness, and there is peace, and there is patience, and there is joy moving and flowing in your life and through all those relationships, because somewhere along the way you decided to go on with yourself but Justin they hurt me I know it but go on with yourself Justin they talked about me I know it but go on with yourself but they lied to my face I know it go on with yourself go on with yourself don't stay stuck where you were don't stay stuck with what happened but understand God's got big things for yourself so go on with yourself because today is about us not making what others have done to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. Right, that's what today's about. It's about not making what others have done to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. And when we keep that in focus, man, it's really easy to get over being offended, get over having unforgiveness in your heart, and to go on with yourself. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. God, you're so good, and Lord, this is a tough message because all of us in this room at some point in some place have been offended. Some point in some place, somebody's been mean, somebody's talked about us. And Lord, the people that we get the most offended with are the people we're closest to. It's our spouse, it's our kids, it's our parents, it's our friends, it's our coworkers, it's people we trust. Lord, right now there's some awkward moments happening even in this place. And for those that are watching online because there's some offense in some relationships right here in this place. And God, I pray today that it would be a go on with ourself moment. The Lord, we'd stop getting hung up on what everybody else has said and done and all the injustices that others have done to us and we would not let it be bigger than what you've done for us because you've done so much. So how can we not forgive others as you've forgiven us? How can we not make allowances for others' faults when you've made so much allowance for ours? And so Lord, I pray today that it's not enough to know your word or hear your word today. We gotta do it. We gotta put application so that it brings transformation to our life. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would not just be hearers of the word only, but we would become doers of it. So that it would be to our glory to overlook an offense, as it says in Proverbs. Lord, that it would be to our glory, it would be to our benefit 
to overlook the offense of another. Lord, I pray move and let this Christmas be different than any other one that we've experienced before. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.